0: Hi everyone, you're listening to Let's Talk Trees, a podcast brought to you by C4E Craft with me, Anggi Cahe Diaz This episode marks our first anniversary since the Let's Talk Trees podcast series started in March 2020. So thank you for all of you who has followed our episodes and please look forward to more insightful discussions in the future. And as we come in full circle in our first anniversary, it is only right to go back to the beginning we start this podcast series with a discussion on women farmers in light of the International Women's Day. And today, we are going to highlight another story about women empowerment, but this time we are going to focus on women in leadership to correspond with the theme of International Women's Day in 2021. I have here with me, Iliana Monterosso, joining us from Guatemala. Iliana is the co-coordinator of Gender and Social Inclusion Research at C4I Craft. Her research that are mostly take place in Latin America focuses on gender, tenure, collective rights, environmental governance,
1: and socio-environmental conflicts. Hi, Ileana. Hi, Angie. And thank you for the invitation of joining the podcast. Well, during the last couple of years, I've been doing research on multi-stakeholder forums. And just to share a bit about what these are, uh, multi-stakeholder forums are you know, organized processes that try to bring together different social groups um, and individuals to participate in the dialogue and decision making around implementation of actions um, to seek or address a problem they hold in common or achieve a goal for their common benefit. So, you know, during the last couple of years, we've been analyzing um, how women and men interact in these spaces, uh, where a lot of decisions are making and whether there are differences across the developing regions on how these uh, spaces take place and the extent to which women and men can engage. Sounds
0: wonderful. can't wait to hear your insights based on your experience. And next, when we're talking about women empowerment, of course, it shouldn't be all women panel talking about women. We need to find allies and champions so the society can work as a whole. And that's why we also have Sami Carson, who works closely with farmers in designing and implementing agricultural and agroforestry trials and creates programs that are gender sensitive and inclusive to more vulnerable groups, including women. Hi, Sami.
2: Thank you for having me. Um, so, yes, uh, my name is Sami, and I'm working at TeaCraft in Nairobi. And uh, my work really involves uh, work around agroforestry. And agroforestry is about integrating trees within small oil farming systems. Uh, one of the key components of my work is about bringing uh, genetic resources uh, to communities so that they actually have uh, productive landscapes uh, for major products that, products that we actually obtain from trees. Uh, so women are quite central to this work. Uh, just by the fact that, especially the parts of the developing world where we work with, women form the backbone of farming systems, but also have, uh, of course, impeccable knowledge uh, on farming systems, on use of genetic resources, uh, their conservation, uh, and etc. cetera. So uh, this is quite central to our work, and, and women participation, of course, in the success of all the programs we work with is quite central, uh, and, and that's why I'm actually here today.
0: Thank you, Sammy. Can't wait to hear your experience working with uh, those uh, women too. But now I'm going to Ileana first. This year, theme of International Women's Day is women leaders and how they create changes. So it's quite a leap forward. We have some examples of women who are successful in leading even countries. Uh, But my question to you, Ileana, is this a sign of a systematic change that happens
1: in favor
0: of gender inclusive world?
1: Um, thank you, Angie. I, I think there, there are a lot of ongoing efforts um, to promote changes that allow women and men from different ages and different ethnic groups uh, from different backgrounds um, to be able to participate um, in a more inclusive way in development and in policy and, and, and also in research. Um, of course, there are important differences across context matters, and it matters a lot. It actually um, can make a difference between how you know women from different backgrounds can actually engage in some of these spaces. So even though there is a lot of progress um, and efforts uh, to make sure that women and men engage in governance and decision-making Um, on equal terms, there are actually a lot of differences across. Okay. Can you
0: explain more how it differs in many parts of the world? What are the barriers,
1: for example, and how to overcome them? Yes, for sure. Well, you know, uh, part of our research has been focusing on on identifying what are the constraints, what are the barriers that women are facing um, across the world. And from our research, one of the things that we have found in terms of the most important aspects that are actually framing the way women and men engage in, in different spaces, especially around decision-making, is you know, those issues that are related, for instance, um, to social norms. And, and when we talk about social norms, we're talking about the rules and the agreements that define how uh, individuals, but also groups, engage in, in discussions or engage in, in actions. So for instance, in some um, contexts uh, women or women from a specific groups are discouraged or prohibited from speaking in, in groups or from you know from participating active, actively in some spaces. In other cases it's more about the rules that constrain that define the type of roles that women have. So for instance, it depends on the duties that you may have in the household or in the farm. And those would also define the way, you know, women can actually engage in certain activities as for instance, resource collection, or, you know, like whenever you talk about engaging with the market, and that would define, you know, the extent to which women can actually benefit or decide over the benefits that they uh, obtain from, from their work. In other cases, it's more, logistics and practical issues, like restrictions on mobility, uh, either, you know, to make sure that you have the resources or you have the information, you know, in terms of how to mobilize or even the household demands that you may have that, you know, sometimes restrict the way that you can engage. Or for instance, now during COVID times, you know, lack of access of technology in different parts of the world are actually, you know, um, constraining women from engaging um, in spaces that right now most of them are virtual. You know, in other cases, it's more, you know, like uh, conditions, socioeconomic conditions, um, la- low literacy rates, uh, access to education, access to to opportunities to, to uh, gain confidence that actually uh, keep um, women or certain groups, of course, not all the women have the same level of vulnerability. There are also men under, um, you know, conditions, uh, socioeconomic conditions that sometimes have also problems engaging in decision-making processes. So these are some of the examples that we have found.
0: Thank you, Ileana. Very eye-opening. I see that Sami also wants to comment on that uh, point. And before, in the pre-recording discussion, you also mentioned about the disparities between rural and urban settings in women participation in economy. Your perspective, please.
2: So I'm thinking the rural setting, uh, of course, we, we find just because of uh, uh, the, the kind of uh, work that women are involved with in rural setting, um, that a lot of it also involve, that involve household caregiving. Um, so so uh, that in a way then limits them in terms of uh, how they actually market uh, their skills that uh, could have been acquired. Uh, whether within formal system or within informal systems. Um, so if you, if you think also about the knowledge economy in terms of um, uh, of course, the skilled labour force, um, th- then also you still find uh, very few um, uh, women probably uh, taking a bigger role, uh, especially in the forestry sector or natural resource management sector. So there's still a bit of disparities there in terms of inclusion of women and in terms of uh, the empowerment in, ta- uh, in in these sectors. So so there's those disparities that I was trying to allude to um, in the discussion of uh, participation in the knowledge economy.
0: Thank you, Sami. I want to hear more from you, but now I have to go back to Eliana first. I would like to explore more about different level of vulnerability that women have in different contexts. Is there any examples of um, where women are empowered? and maybe
1: in different communities that you find? Uh, Well, actually, from our work, one of the things that we have found that makes a lot of difference in the way women can actually engage are related to um, the ability to gain uh, capacities, for instance, you know, like access to training, access to information and access to technology that allows women to engage differently in certain spaces. Um, As I was Mentioning, you know, like in the context of COVID technologies, you know, like access to phones, access to Internet um, has shown to make a big difference in ensuring that, you know, like we we hear from, you know, the needs and expectations and the problems that women are facing in some cases, um, as for instance, in in Latin America, in Peru, the National Organization of Indigenous Women um, have organized to make sure that, you know, like some at least um, a colleague, you know, like a woman, a member from a community, you know, in, at the local level have, has access to a phone that can actually allow for these communities to be sharing about the, the problems they are facing and um, the needs that they have. So the organization at the, local, uh, at the national level can mobilize to make sure that some of these um, issues are being addressed uh, by government, but also by other organizations that are accompanying these processes. So I think, you know, like in this in this way, you know, like being organized um, actually supports uh, women to be better able to engage and to be better able to uh, elicit their needs and raise the problems that they're facing. So, you know, like having a voice, it's very important in these cases. And it actually makes a whole lot of difference in terms of accessing the benefits of uh, ongoing programs from government or other organizations as well.
0: Thank you, Eliana. So I will uh, move to Sami now. Sami, can you also share your examples um, where you have inclusion of women in the program?
2: I, I just wanted to add uh, on what uh, Eliana has already uh, said. And one of the issues we really face with the kind of work we do, uh, especially in agroforestry, uh, that also really involve a bit of asset Uh, sort of ownership at the household level, uh, of course, we find uh, a lot of the communities, women are mostly disadvantaged because uh, they often do not own land. And and that's quite a crucial element and crucial factor of production uh, that limits, of course, um, their participation uh, in programs, but also, of course, their decision-making at the household level. Um, So this is an issue that is quite central, uh, but also uh, speaks, of course, to issues around power relations uh, within households and how resources within households are utilized for the benefits of families. So one thing that we have actually uh, found and it really speaks to, to what Ileana was already mentioning is what sort of an uh, you know, um, organizational or community organizational setting can happen so that both women and men are able actually to share resources but also utilize available local resources to their own benefit. Uh, we find of course uh, a lot of opportunities uh, especially building uh, of course uh, incomes uh, for things like women saving groups where women can come together and also bring uh, their resources together and these opportunities not only provide of course uh, the the hard you know of course of uh, resources together but also shared knowledge and shared skills uh, which are then utilized uh, for the benefit of women and men. So what we see actually also is is also an understanding or the lack of understanding of these power relations within households as a major bottleneck uh, because often I think for outsiders who come with programs uh, to communities uh, and with a a, a poor uh, understanding of uh, the power relations end up of course worsening uh, those power relations within home states and that's a crucial issue for us uh, because often it's a determinant of success or failure of a program, especially uh, when, of course, men feel left out uh, within programs uh, or the, the, the inclusion within programs uh, are not considered just because of, of skewed participation.
0: Very interesting. And that's also a nice bridge to my next question. So when we talk about women empowerment, it's, it's not women versus men. It's how we move as a society together to create a more... Uh, inclusive environment. So uh, I will give this question first to Semi, how to create a more gender sensitive programs and how we can be champions for women empowerment. Please go first because you're one of the champions and we need to see more of you. Semi, can you please uh, share your experience?
2: Thank you so much Andy. I think one of the easiest and probably low-hanging fruits to think about when designing projects with communities is actually to engage both women, and men in, in in the design, right from the design stages of the of the project, uh, because from our experience, what we find actually, um, uh, women also want uh, outcomes or project benefits that also benefit uh, the men in their households. Uh, often, is assumed that women are so disempowered, and the projects should target women only. But we we've, we've been proven wrong uh, time and time again that women actually want also projects that empower their husbands. That empower their sons so that actually they are more productive or more useful members of the society. So, um, skewed projects that only focus a lot on women and forget uh, that actually women also want their men or the males within the houses to be successful uh, are actually ending up to be very flawed and also achieving very little success because then uh, the inclusion is actually lost. So one of opportunities from the design stages is really to 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 have that participatory kind of approach where both women and men and also youth uh, are included. Uh, so so participation, I think, for me is very key. Angie,
0: thank you, Sami, and
1: now Ileana,
0: your point
1: of view. Um, I would add to uh, to the comment from Sami. I think that participation is very important, but we also need to make sure that you know that you can actually. Um, exercise um, in terms of the, the ability to recognize rights and the rights of course that both women and men have in the processes of development that we want to promote and that it starts with making sure that both uh, men and women different, you know, from different backgrounds are actually participating and coming to the table. But another very important issue is to ensure that once, you know, like uh, participation actually has some, um, has some constraints in ensuring that, you know, like once you are, uh, that everybody is sitting on the same table, that everybody has the same ability to exercise and to engage in these processes. And as Ami was mentioning before, you know, power relations can influence the way different women and different men would actually be able to influence these processes. So in this case, what I would add in terms of participation is to highlight the importance of rights, rights recognition, but also the ability to exercise those rights. And in these processes, the ability to Uh, not only be looking at those women and men that we want to engage in these processes, but also those women and men that are actually implementing these processes. So, very important to also be looking at implementation, be looking at those government agents, those non-government NGO uh, organizations that are actually promoting development on the ground um, and the importance of making sure that in those processes, those uh, involved in, the, in, in, in implementation are also, you know, like uh, acknowledge the importance of, of, you know, engaging and being inclusive of the different groups of people, identifying and understanding what are the barriers that this group face and making sure that you are addressing them. So whenever you invite people to the table, you're also acknowledging the constraints these groups have to deal with these power relationships and be able to address them.
0: Thank you, Ileana. So can you give more examples uh, of successful gender sensitive programs based on uh, what you see in the field and how they benefit the community?
1: Well, um, referring to an issue that Sami mentioned that has been very important in their work, the issue of land, for instance, during the last five years, we were working in a project that worked uh, in seven different countries, but specifically we were working in in Peru, Indonesia, Uganda, uh, Colombia, Nepal, and the DRC, and we were analyzing you know, processes in which there were changes introduced in the regulations to make sure that women and men uh, have access to land and forest resources. Um, In these processes, one of the highlights that we saw in terms of, you know, like uh, of of being able to, to engage women is, you know, like, as I said before, trying to engage not only those communities, community members, women and men, you know, making sure that we understand what were some of the issues that were, you know, constraining people to actually be able to access those rights uh, to land and resources? And, you know, be able to also identify the type of awareness and capacities that are needed, you know, to empower and to enhance the engagement of, of, of groups that are not well represent, represented in these processes, so, you know, like one of the things that we did is, you know, to identify the type of organizations that are working on these issues, that are very interested in working on these issues and, you know, work along with them to identify the type of, you know, like the type of capacity enhancing processes that were needed to be in place and also the type of changes, you know, like in terms of of representation of these groups um, in the spaces of decision making. And, you know, like, for instance, in Peru, one of the things that we did is, like, we started to work with the government, but also with indigenous organizations, including women indigenous organizations and also mixed groups organizations, where we were able to, you know, discuss with them uh, around, you know, the type of constraints they were facing in terms of putting those regulations in place. And that's where we, um, you know, we, we came across the importance of not only addressing rights not only addressing, you know, issues of participation, but also making sure that those, you know, uh, being affected by decisions are actively engaged in those processes and are actually being able to benefit. And that's where we saw the difference between, you know, different groups of women, different groups of men being affected or benefit in different ways. So for for us, that was a really important lesson learned in terms of how to, to promote processes at different levels. That actually, you know, like are, are looking at the different constraints that you can find.
0: Thank you, Ileana.
1: Okay, Sebi, from your perspective or your experience from the field, do you
0: see successful gender-sensitive programs and how they benefit the community? But
2: largely uh, in East African countries, we've like Rwanda, Kenya, Ethiopia, Uganda. Uh, we've uh, add also, of course, work across the Central Africa region um, in the Congo. We've had work in West Africa region covering Cameroon and in the Sahel region uh, covering Mali uh, Niger, uh, Burkina uh, and other Sahel countries. We look at two key issues uh, that really affect households. And one of the key issues is around how we build assets for households um and also the second issue is uh, around labor use within households uh these two uh, key factors are, are very crucial for, for agricultural product uh, production especially uh, and for us then uh, women engagement around these two issues is quite crucial so you design projects and, and programs that really look into how women can better build um, you know, assets that uh, improve their livelihoods uh, within communities uh, and also uh, projects that can reduce uh, what you call women drudgery uh, and, and women chores within communities. Uh, if you think around uh, livestock feeding, for instance, where you have to spend a lot of time uh, looking for fodder for, for animals. So we create solutions where we integrate, you know, uh, fodder provisioning uh, plants uh, or tree shrubs that provide or complement, uh, of course, uh, residues uh, for feeds. Uh, then we also look into issue of the amount of labour, of course, that women would spend in terms of uh, really collecting these materials either from forests uh, or, or walking around community areas. Uh, so we'll spend a lot of time. So we are ending up cutting short, uh, you know, the amount of time. That is spent out there to 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 collect these resources. If you look at issues around nutrition, uh, and this is all household nutrition, uh, then also that one is very very crucial, and is is is, is for household particularly, and because given the central role uh, that women play to feed entire households, uh, and nutrition is a is a is a crucial issue particularly for us, uh, because also we're looking into micronutrients. Uh, you know, uh, scarcity within households, where fruits are not really uh, consumed as much as we'd want. Uh, and often this is a domain that women actually take a very big and crucial role in terms of producing fruits uh, and vegetables that feed households. So uh, in terms of our work, we've, we've developed uh, fruits, uh, fruit work and uh, fruit nutrition work, uh, you know, fruit, what we call fruit portfolios to actually develop better nutrition for women. Then, of course, supporting entire households. So, so those are two key uh, pathways we kind of um, in, in integrate practically uh, to really help women and households, uh, you know, livelihood.
0: Wonderful! It's such a wonderful way to close this discussion. So that's all for today. Thank you, Sami and Iliana, to be part of this podcast, and thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on the link provided. See you on the next episode, and bye bye.